Welcome to Caffeinated Thoughts Radio, a stimulating look at culture, current events, faith, and politics from a Christian and conservative point of view. We don't just talk on the radio, we blog too. Check us out at caffeinatedthoughts.com. Now grab a cup of coffee and join us. This is Caffeinated Thoughts Radio. And welcome to Caffeinated Thoughts Radio. Caffeinated Thoughts Radio is brought to you in part by Iowa Right to Life, the largest pro-life organization in Iowa who works to protect life from fertilization to natural death. Go check out their website at iowartl.org. That's iowartl.org. Hey, this is Shane Vanderhart, and welcome to Caffeinated Thoughts Radio. We're glad to have you back listening this week. Ron, did you uh, have you ever been to Tulip Time? Yeah, we, my wife and I went, oh, many, many years ago, yes. Yeah. It's really cool. Okay. This is, it's kind of like an annual thing, because, you know, of course I'm Dutch. So yeah, there you go. I've got to go down to Pella and hang out with my peeps, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and we were going to go last weekend and was driving down uh, on on Highway 163 and just got past Otley. And this is not my favorite stretch of road, uh, because a few years ago when I was driving back from Pella, uh, this was like in January, um, I ended up going off the road because of oh, some man. ice. Yeah. I had the my kids in the back seat. Uh, they were much younger then. And and there was a lot of snow in the bank, and, and mm-hmm. it actually made my car roll because the, the tires hit <laughs> the snow, oh, wow. and forward momentum just kind of yeah. uh, made us roll. So we were upside down, and I was like looking in the back seat, my kids are hanging there, you know. Anyway, oh, so we, we have fond memories <laughs> of the stretch of road. So we're driving to Pella uh, because, you know, it's Cinco de Mayo, uh-huh. and of course I got to go to Tulip Time. Sure. So that makes sense, right? And I'm, you know, I'm going to get a Dutch taco. Um, you know, in, in celebration and we hear this pop and suddenly, you know, are the tires going oh, and no. I pull off and I know, you know, I, I'm, I'm a man. I know how to change tires. <laughs> so unless the lug nuts rust, but this is a newer car for me. We, sure. uh, had, uh, we just bought a Suzuki Aereo uh-huh. and I did not realize, um, uh, how horrible the, 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 uh, Jack was. Oh yeah. So, yeah. Um, step number one is, first of all, make sure you're on level ground. Absolutely. Well, I wasn't quite on level ground. <laughs> uh, actually, on that stretch of road on 163, yeah. there really isn't any level ground. Oh, no. But, hey, you know, I'm going to try it anyway. Sure. So I got I got the car finally jacked up enough to, to take the, the tire off. And suddenly so the car starts shifting forward. Oh, no. Down. So uh, I'm like, oh, crazy. But I have to, there were a couple people that stopped by. There was this farmer that was on ATV mm-hmm. that came to check us out. And he actually came back with his car and took uh, my wife and kids and had, you know, allowed them to sit, sit in this house sure. so they didn't have to be on the side of the road. And then this guy from uh, Midland Tire in Pella stopped by. Uh, mm-hmm. He, he, apparently he said, you know, I keep all sorts of tools uh, in my truck because. I see people on the side of the road all the time. He had this big jack because I was thinking this was going to uh-huh. take. We were going to have this was going to you know we're going to need something that's going to be able to lift the car up in the in the center mm-hmm. and just like you know like four he he jacks it up like four times and it's like up mm-hmm. stick the, you know stick the tire on and then we're you know we're ready to go and of course at that point we decided we're just going to turn back around and go back <laughs> to the one anyway yeah. so I I did not get to tulip time this year. 
But oh man! But we have we have a memory, a share you know that we can share, and of course I can share on the radio too. Sure. So hey, we have a very special guest on the line. Uh, he's he's the, my pastor, uh, Pastor Phil Winfield. He's a senior pastor at Grace Church here on the east side of Des Moines. Welcome to Caffeinated Thoughts Radio, Pastor Phil. Well, thank you, Shane. It's a pleasure to be here. Hey, thanks for uh, joining us. Um, I, our listeners may not know who you are or much about Grace Church, so could you tell us a little bit about your background as well as uh, Grace Church? Okay. Uh, well, as far as my background, I was had the privilege of being born in a Christian family and challenged uh, very young. Uh, all of my heroes were pastors and preachers and evangelists when I grew up down south, and um, when I came to know the Lord and my dad made sure that I went to all of these events every summer, especially these old-timey tent revivals. Uh, it became very clear to me God wanted me to be a preacher. And so uh, I began seeking to follow the Lord's will in that, and God opened many doors for me, went to Bible college, and had the opportunity in my youth to take mission trips. And, and so uh, missions and, and giving out God's Word and preaching has always just sort of been part of my DNA since I was very young. And uh, this is uh, my second stint at Grace Church, I guess you could say. Uh-huh. Um, I uh, was here when the church was very small, uh, over on 35th and Kingman, uh, that would have been like 1984, 85. They were called Des Moines Baptist it at that time. It was called Des Moines Baptist yeah. Church at that time. And uh, during, uh, oh, well, about four years into my time there, the Lord really began working to me uh, on me about keeping a, a promise I had made. That was, Lord, I'll go anywhere and preach to anybody as long as you give me the chance and you make it clear what you want me to do. And so... In 1989, my wife and I packed up, and we went to Lima, Peru, in South America, okay. and uh, served the Lord there for 13 years. And at the end of that, uh, well, it didn't come to an end. I got a call from Grace Church, and uh, Pastor Nelms, uh, my friend and and uh, and mentor in the ministry, was leaving to go to another ministry, and so they asked me to consider it, uh, coming here and candidating to be the pastor, and I well, put it off for quite some time, but the Lord worked, and I've uh-huh. been back here for going on 17 years. Well, great. Uh, you basically, when you were down in, in Peru, that's, that was kind of the source of an idea you bring, you've brought back to Grace Church and you're doing now with the Des Moines Bible Initiative. What did you do in Peru, and, 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 and what are you doing here in Des Moines now? Yeah, well, uh, thanks for asking. I've had many ministry opportunities in Peru, and they even continue now. But once, uh, when my son was uh, graduated from high school, I, I wanted to just spend some alone time with him. And so um, we hooked up with a, uh, a, mission, a friend. He wasn't a missionary at the time, but he was a believer. His name was Adelit Yannick, uh, a Quechuan uh, from the Andes region of Peru uh, near a city called Huaraz. And I asked him if it would be possible for us to do one of those mountain treks with him, and he was a he was a trek guide and a mountain climber at that time. And he said, "Sure." And he lined us up, and and I, I was never so unprepared for anything in my life. I didn't have the gear, the equipment, the physical preparation, or anything. And uh, we walked over several passes and made a trek of about sixty five miles through the mountains. And wow! Left and oh, it was really something. Well, one night while we were while we were uh, around a campfire, my son, Philip, said, uh, Hey, Dad, I wonder who's bringing the Bible and God's Word to these people. And, uh, and man, I mean, we were in the middle of nowhere, no lights at that time, no running water. And uh, we, were the, we were the 
curiosity of many of the uh, of the people of the little villages. They just come out to the campfire and just look at us. <laughs> and so, um, it, what was born with through that question was the idea of uh, seeing if we could find some young younger adults that would like to come and just take the challenge of trekking through the Andes. We called it the Andean Blanket. That was the name of it. Mm-hmm. The goal was to carry the Bible where the road didn't go in the Andes region of South America. And, uh, boy, about a year later, we had 27 men show up, young men and some middle-aged men, and began this process. And uh, we've done that trek 14 times. Wow. And uh, I, I personally can't do it anymore. Uh, my knees won't do it. But sure. the, the idea has given birth, and it has taken root in many, many groups in many different countries of South America are now doing this, uh, just carrying on the idea of the Andean blanket. Well, you kind of ask how that gave birth to what we're doing now. Well, we, we've always had a desire to have, uh, you know, face-to-face conversation with people that don't, you know, don't have a Christian background, or they, you know, they're just living their life, don't know anything about the Lord or the Bible, and America's getting to be more and more that way all the time. So uh, I got to thinking here not too long ago, you know, I, I went to great extent uh, in Peru to carry the Bible to people who didn't know anything about it. Uh, why not do it in Des Moines? Mm-hmm. And, and, and I know Bibles are available, and I know that, you know, you can go to the store. I mean, there's online Bibles and every other sort of resource you can imagine. Sure. But I, I thought maybe if we just, you know, confronted people with this and said, hey, um, do you have a Bible? Would you like one? And if you would, would you know where to start reading it? And um, mm-hmm. if you'd like, we'd love to sit down and help you get started reading it and maybe have conversations together. And that kind of gave the thought of the Des Moines Bible Initiative right there. Originally, we called it the Des Moines Bible Blanket, but kind of uh, over time, we thought we'd uh, call it the Des Moines Bible Initiative. So it, its goal is not just to hand a Bible to somebody who, who would like one, but the, having that personal connection. Exactly. We're, we're, we're using media, we're using a, a, a kind of direct mailing uh, where uh, it, just, it just simply says, you know, hey, would, do you have a Bible? If not, would you like one? If you'd like one, you know, go to this, uh, you know, text this number, go to this website, fill out a little information, and we'd love to give you one. And by the way, we'd love to help you, love to help you get started in knowing what the Bible's all about. By the way, that website is actually uh, www.gracehome.com forward slash Bible uh, for any uh, any of our listeners who would, uh, who, if you don't have a Bible at home and you would like one, you can, you can certainly sign up through that. It's a pretty straightforward process. Um, you're listening to Caffeinated Thoughts Radio, and on the line we have Pastor Phil Winfield of Grace Church and on the east side of Des Moines. Uh, so, you know, people, what are, you know, any expectations if, if people sign up as far as, you know, um, is, is this like a high-pressure thing? You know? No, it, it is not. It couldn't be any more, uh, any more of a soft approach, I don't think. Uh, they... Whenever they, whenever they go to the website and they've asked, answered the very simple and few questions that we have, we just simply ask them, you know, um, how would you like to receive the Bible? Would you like to receive it, you know, in a public place? Would you like to receive it at your home? Would you like to come by the church and get it? And uh, believe it or not, we're having quite a response on this, and uh, the majority are coming by the church, but we are not allowing it to become just come by the church, go to the church office, office and get yeah. a Bible. Uh, we still pair them up with people, and we really have had a, a great response among our people of being the, the person to say, hey, 
yeah, I'll be that first contact. You know, I'll I'll be the person to meet with them and and, and field their questions and initiate the conversation. So they still meet, even if they come to the church, they still meet an individual, they talk and try to strike up a conversation, and hopefully uh, will lead uh, to some, you know, maybe reg- regular Bible reading together. Great. Any any uh, neat stories to share that you feel comfortable sharing on the radio? <laughs> uh, yeah, there. You know, just one of our one of our gentlemen just this last week. Uh, he he was one of those that decided they wanted to meet um, at the church, and um, and so our our representative uh, showed up, had the Bible, met the person, and and uh, the person walked in the door. And, and by the way, we're using a real familiar or a real easy to read version of the Bible, the New Living Translation. Mm-hmm. And and, uh, and so he met he met his appointed uh, person who came and uh, they started to talk. He handed him the Bible and he said, "Well, look, uh, you know, we'd love to get together with you." He said, "Do you have any initial questions or anything like this?" And uh, the man said, "I I have uh, been away from the Lord way too long, and and this invitation has really really caught me uh, caught me uh, by surprise and has drawn my attention to mm-hmm. my heritage." And uh, boy, I, I really need help. I wish you would talk to me. And so it really was a just a tremendous opportunity. Yeah, you know, people are usually pretty responsive when you offer, you know, to, um, a Bible as well as to pray for people. Uh, right. I, when I go into the juvenile detention center, uh, Meyer Hall, you know, we give out Bibles, and, and kids wanted Bibles there. I mean, it's so it, you know, it's it's a pretty non-threatening, I think, thing to do and a way to you know build a connection. So, and, and you know, in a day and age where there there's a lot of sophisticated marketing and 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 outreach, um, this is really kind of a straightforward ministry in which uh, the church is intentional about you know trying to meet people where they're at and just with the simple gift of a Bible and maybe potential friendship. Right. I think one of the one of the as you're as you're talking, it makes me reflect a little more. One of the issues that I think we as Christians have had is is that we we have we've put opened up our buildings, put on a uh, you know a pretty good show, if we could put it that way. Right. I think a lot of people are trying to do that. Open the doors, put up a sign, welcome one, welcome all, and hoping that people are just thinking about, oh, well, I wonder where I could go to church today. Uh huh. When that really doesn't doesn't fit the bill of what the New Testament church was about, uh, even under persecution, they Absolutely. spread everywhere talking about Jesus, and they they weren't just doing it, you know, once at their gathering, uh, rather rather in their everyday life. And so we're we're trying to push a lot of buttons. This is the this is one of the ways, but we're trying to encourage people to, you know, just as simple as uh, when you hear when you hear people in your daily life. Uh, Talk about their their pains, their problems, their worries, their woes, their heartaches and heartbreaks. Let that be. A, we're trying to encourage people to let that be like a neon sign from the Lord, saying, "Okay, here's one that needs uh, some attention. Uh, they're kind of crying out for help." Um, and so, you know, why not just ask them, "Hey, can I pray for you?" And uh, and and boy, it opens up conversations. And absolutely, and that's what we're doing with the Bible. We want to give it to them, but not just give it to them because they could buy a Bible if they were looking for one. Sure, but it raises the subject in their mind. Yeah, yeah. And you, now you guys also do other uh, outreach opportunities, like you Park Palooza. Um, exactly. Yeah, so. we we have that opportunity that comes up this year. So I think it's the first weekend or. First weekend and first week of June, if not, it's the second. I'm you're catching me off guard a little bit. <laughs> no problem. But Parker Palooza. I can't believe you of, don't have the entire ca- calendar memorized. No, no, Phil. I don't. 
Uh, yeah, we we've got a very active church in this area. Hundreds of volunteers. Um, the the Park of Palooza, the church is blessed to own a bunch of inflatables. We have an entire program where we feed, we go into a park with permission and seek all the permissions and permits because we make a lot of noise. Right. And uh, we we take inflatables into the parks and uh, and invite uh, go out and sort of invite the neighborhood. You put up the inflatables and start serving free hot dogs and food and, and people handing come. out uh, <laughs> Bibles and things. The uh, people kind of you know they they tend to come see what's going on. Yeah. Well, anyway, if you're looking for a Bible, go to you can go to gracehome.com forward slash Bible. Pastor Phil, thank you so much for joining us. Um, I appreciate it. If if you're tuned in late and you wanted to catch the rest of this uh, interview, you can check out our podcast at caffeinatedthoughts.com. Um, again, that's caffeinatedthoughts.com. This is Shane Vanderhart. We'll be back in a moment. Stay tuned. Hi, this is Brian Myers of Myers & Associates. If you're involved in maintenance at a manufacturing plant, you know how costly it can be when a machine goes down. And if the reason that machine went down is because the electronic controls on it failed, it can really be problematic if those electronics are obsolete. Well, not to worry. We represent Providence Industrial Electronics Repair, and they can get your machine up and running in no time. They repair boards, drives, servo motors, light curtains, you name it. So if you need industrial electronics repaired at your plant, or if you have other industrial maintenance needs, give me a call at 515-490-2640. That's Myers & Associates, 515-490-2640. Myers & Associates, keeping your operations running. Welcome back to Caffeinated Thoughts Radio. Caffeinated Thoughts Radio is only possible through the generosity of our sponsors. Be sure to check out Travis Rizvold of Modern Woodman of America. Call Travis at 515-883-0029 and he can help you find the life insurance you need. Also, Caffeinated Thoughts is also sponsored by Crosswalk Ministries with Scott Owen who offers biblical counseling and conciliation. Contact him at 515 635 5465 or crosswalkcounseling.org. So, President Trump, we, <laughs> I can just stop there. President <laughs> yes, Trump. That's the, all you need to say. <laughs> now, he, you know, I, he, he made a decision that um, is, is kind of a mixed bag. Okay. He, uh, it, unless you were, you know, living under a rock and you're not paying attention to news at all, I think everybody knows uh, that he fired uh, F. FBI director James Comey. Um, I think this firing was well-deserved. Uh, I believe um, uh, James Comey lost the, uh, lost the, not the faith, but the um, respect of a lot of people within the FBI. I think also uh, he lost confidence in, in officials at the justice department. Um, so, you know, and people need to also realize, you know, people are, there's some, you know, Democrats in particular, as well as some Repo- mainstream, not mainstream, moderate Republicans are are concerned about uh, 
Trump uh, firing this and turning this into a partisan thing. It's like everybody in the executive branch serves at the pleasure of the president, uh, period. Uh, and we have to remember this is not um, without precedent. Uh, for instance, uh, you know, uh, I, I seem to remember Bill Clinton firing an FBI director. So if it warrants it, and I, it seemed like everybody at the time, depending on uh, uh, what uh, you know, what side of the aisle you're on, were mad at James Comey throughout the election. Uh, conservatives were mad when he announced that he wasn't going to be pressing charges against uh, against uh, Hillary Clinton. He wasn't going to be pursuing that. Uh, then the Democrats were mad when he said he was going to reopen. Yeah. The investigation. No win situation. So, you know, yeah, like, but the thing is, perhaps maybe he shouldn't have had press conferences. <laughs> you know, the, we don't necessarily need to know about ongoing investigation, especially when it could a- actually have a potential impact on the uh, election. Now, I don't know how much of an impact it actually made, uh, but, you know, there's uh, there. It, it, it wasn't he he didn't very hand he didn't handle it very well and one one thing that you know kind of st- has struck me as as uh president trump uh made this decision was you know these democrats are coming out and condemning him for fire how dare you fire you know uh the fbi director and if if our listeners aren't aware the fbi director now i can't remember when this law changed things you uh, when the FBI first began, J. Edgar Hoover was the first FBI director, and he was in there for like, I don't know, decades. Long, um, long time. He, and he had like dirt on everybody. Uh, so nobody wanted to challenge him because, mm-hmm. you know, who knows what he's going to drop. <laughs> um, after he, you know, resigned or died, I can't remember, retired, whatever, um, you know, they eventually the law was changed where now you have. The FBI director serves one 10-year term. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's designed for uh, you'll, the FBI director, unless in, case, you know, in two cases I can recall the FBI director has been fired. Generally speaking, they're covering more than one administration, uh, sometimes even three administrations if you have you know, uh, an administration that only goes one term. Um, that hasn't actually happened recently, uh, except for George W. Bush. That's... And then Jimmy Carter before him. Otherwise, everybody's gone two terms of you know recent years. But F- the uh, Democrats, anyway, they're like I, I was just looking at the story on the Hill. A number of House Democrats left Friday's confidential bri- briefing on Russian hacking, fuming over the actions of FBI D- Director James Comey, and convinced he's unfit to lead the agency. I was non-judgmental until the last fifteen minutes. I was no, I no longer have that confidence in him. Representative Tim Waltz of Minnesota, ranking member of the Veterans Affairs Committee, said as he left the meeting at the Capitol. Some of the things were in the revealed in this classified briefing. My confidence has been shook. Uh, Representative Elijah Cummings of Maryland, a senior Democrat on the House Oversight and Government Reform Committee, delivered a similar condemnation. I'm extremely concerned. Extremely, he said. I'm, I'm extremely, extremely, extremely concerned. I'll just, I'm just very angry. Mm. Mm, okay. <laughs> oh, that was uh, Representative Mark Ten, uh, Tencano. I want to make sure I uh, 
I, I got I attribute that that quote. He was extremely, extremely angry <laughs> and concerned. Anyway, so you have these Democrats wanting his head, and now suddenly when Trump fires him, now they want Trump's head. Uh, so uh, you know you it's 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 hard to win. Um, but Trump. Well, let's let's go back up here. First, you, you have two, a couple different narratives as far as what happened. Let's play clip one with Sean Spicer, who's the White House press secretary, on, with an interview with uh, Lou Dobbs on CNN. Has this uh, been uh, this research and this consideration in the firing of Director Comey? Has it been underway for some time? No, Lou. In fact, uh, let me just lay it out for you. The uh, the FBI director reports to the deputy attorney general. Uh, the deputy attorney general uh, is a gentleman by the name of Rod Rosenstein. Rosenstein. Mm-hmm. He was confirmed by the Senate on April 25th, just two weeks ago, by a vote of 94 to 6. Right. So it has earned bipartisan support and most recently served as the U.S. attorney for Maryland under President Obama. Uh, he is someone who has been around the Department of Justice, mm-hmm. as I mentioned, for 30 years. He made a determination. Longest serving U.S. attorney. That's right. He made a determination that the uh, FBI director had lost his confidence, made a recommendation to the attorney general. The attorney general concurred with that uh, and forwarded that recommendation today onto the president, who agreed with their uh, with their conclusions and terminated the attorney general, the FBI director's uh, position uh, at the FBI. So you have that. And it's basically saying the 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 deputy assistant. Uh, or excuse me, Deputy Attorney General and Attorney General gave an opinion that he needed to go. Um, and, and, you know, there's some things going on even with, uh, uh, well, just this Clinton, the Clinton email scandal uh, investigation was just bungled. Um, not necessarily by the people, you know, at the lower levels uh, the, doing the, uh, the grunt work as far as investigating, but at the top, um, and he even the FBI's even had to retract <laughs> things that he has said, you know, in, in sworn testimony. Hello, that just uh, shouldn't have to. Happen. No, that shouldn't happen. I mean, he he should be able to know what's going on. So you, you have these things. It's and it's building, it's building. Um, now, but now shifting to another narrative. Trump Trump just has this knack of. <laughs> Not helping himself. Yeah. Let's uh, go ahead and play his uh, clip of his interview with Lester Holt of NBC News. Look, he's a showboat. He's a grandstander. The FBI has been in turmoil. You know that. I know that. Everybody knows that. You take a look at the FBI a year ago. It was in virtual turmoil less than a year ago. It hasn't recovered from that. Monday, you met with the Deputy Attorney General, Rod Rosenstein. Right. Did you ask for a recommendation? Uh, what I did is I was going to fire Comey. My decision. It was not... You had made the decision before they came uh, in the I, room. I was going to fire Comey. Uh, I, there's no good time to do it, by the way. Uh, they, because in your letter they you said I, I accepted, accepted their recommendations. Yeah, well, they so you also, had already made the decision. I, oh, I was going to fire regardless of recommendations. So there was really they, room. He made a recommendation. He's highly respected. Very good guy. Very smart guy. Uh, the Democrats like him. The Republicans <clears throat> like him. Uh, he made a recommendation, but regardless of recommendation, I was going to fire Comey, knowing there was no good time to do it. And in fact, when I decided to just do it, I said to myself, I said, you know, this Russia thing with Trump and Russia is a made up story. It's an excuse. 
by the Democrats for having lost an election that they should have won. And the reason they should have won it is the Electoral College is almost impossible for a Republican to win. Very hard because you start off at such a disadvantage. So everybody was thinking they should have won the election. This was an excuse for having lost an election. Are you angry, angry with Mr. Comey because of his Russia investigation? I just want somebody that's competent. I am a big fan of the FBI. I love the FBI. Are you a I fan of him, him of taking up that investigation? I think that about the Hillary Clinton investigation? No, about, about the Russia investigation and no, possible links look, between... Look, let me tell you. As far as I'm concerned, I want that thing to be absolutely done properly. When I did this now, I said, I probably, maybe, will confuse people. Maybe I'll expand that, you know, I'll lengthen the time because it should be over with. It should, in my opinion, should have been over with a long time ago because all it is is an excuse. But I said to myself, I might even lengthen out the investigation. Mm. But I have to do the right thing for the American people. He's the wrong man for that position. So uh, that's our president who just totally contradicted everything that his spokesperson said as far as timeline is concerned. Uh, we, we, were, we were told that he was you know, taking the advice of his uh, attorney general, the top lawyer, attorney in the, in the nation. Um, of course, he has his own White House counsel, too. But uh, then the deputy um, you know, attorney general, who is widely respected, uh, who who was a U.S. attorney in Maryland under President Obama, had bipartisan support when he was appointed. Um, Senate Democrats now, the Washington Post reports, are pummeling him uh, on Thursday for his involvement in the firing of FBI Director James Comey, warning that his nonpartisan reputation is at risk unless he starts answering questions from Congress and answering in a way that we want. <laughs> That's a, that's what I love. Your non your nonpartisanship is at risk if you don't agree with us. So um, anyway, this has just become a um, a circus. So anyway, Trump kind of you know said no 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 I I was gonna fire him regardless of so he was gonna fire him if his attorney general says hey we don't think we you should fire him he's doing. You know, under the circumstances, we were looking at, at everything that was done. Um, you know, he he wasn't served well by a couple of people on the investigative team. We found that, you know, whatnot. If, if for whatever reason they gave for not firing him, he was just going to ignore that and fire him. Uh, and I don't think that's necessarily true. But, uh, again, it just makes him sound like, I'm not going to listen to anybody. I'm just going to act on impulse. And, oh, by the way, Russia. You know, everybody was kind of thinking, oh, Russia, how he's really firing him over the the Russia investigation. And now he kind of lended some credibility to that. Uh, and Sarah Huck, uh, Huckabee Sanders, who's a spokesperson for the White House, said uh, the deputy press secretary said, we, we want this, the, the Russia investigation to come to its conclusion. Uh, we want it to come to its conclusion with integrity. She said, referring to the probe and the Moscow's interference with last year's election. And we think we've actually, by removing Director Comey, taken steps to make that happen. Okay. That's interesting. Uh, so, you know, again, I, I tr- our, uh, article, um, article 2 of the Constitution is very clear that all executive power is vested in the president and the president can def- uh, uh, delegate 
power out, and that includes the FBI director. He's well within his rights to fire the FBI director. I think there was good cause to fire the FBI director. Uh, but, you know, the timing does stink, as he acknowledged in his interview with Lester Holt. And, well, <laughs> now we, we want to, it'd be nice to know that it had nothing to do with uh, the investigation into Russia. Uh, I think the best thing that happened going forward would be an independent um, investigator and having an independent investigation outside the FBI. I don't know if that's going to happen or not. Obviously, Congress, Democrat, congressional Democrats are investigating themselves, and I think some Republicans are involved with that as well. Uh, but, you know, it, Comey needs to go. We'll see who he gets appointed in there to replace him. Or he needed to go. Excuse me. He's already left. He's gone. He's out of the building. Boxed up his stuff. I wonder if they escorted him out. That'd be awkward. Yeah, hey, this, this is Caffeine Thoughts Radio. We'll be back in a moment. Hi, this is Brian Myers. When I needed a better life insurance plan, I found it with Travis Riswold of Modern Woodman of America. When I first met Travis, he wasn't like some other life insurance agents that can be pushy and try to get you to buy something. Travis just made himself available to me. That was it. He told me to let him know if and when I needed anything, and he stayed in touch. When the day came and I did need to make some changes with my life insurance, Travis met with me and walked me through several options so I could make an informed decision. Ultimately, it was the best decision for my situation. So if you need a better or the best life insurance plan for you, call my friend Travis Riswold with Modern Woodman. His number is 515-883-0029. Travis Riswold with Modern Woodman. He can help you find the life insurance you need. Call him at 515-883-0029. Welcome to Caffeinated Thoughts Radio, a stimulating look at culture, current events, faith, and politics from a Christian and conservative point of view. We don't just talk on the radio, we blog too. Check us out at caffeinatedthoughts.com. Now grab a cup of coffee and join us. This is Caffeinated Thoughts Radio. And welcome to Caffeinated Thoughts Radio. Caffeinated Thoughts Radio is sponsored in part by American Principles Project. Who are, who's committed to the declaration made by the Founding Fathers that we are created equal, endowed by our Creator with certain unalienable rights, and among those are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Learn more about APP at AmericanPrinciplesProject.org. That's AmericanPrinciplesProject.org. And I just want to do a brief news rundown, and, and I want to share a story that shouldn't have been a story, but it is because... It's not a good idea for a congressman to walk out of an interview, but that's exactly what Congressman Rod Blum did uh, this week. I like I I like Congressman Blum. Um, I'm a fan. Uh, If I were in his district, I would have voted for him, Uh, but I'm not. So I can't. (laughs) But he uh, he had this exchange with uh, KCRG TV nines. That's their I think the ABC affiliate up up in Cedar Rapids. They were meeting with him uh, before the Dubuque town hall that he held. And he was uh, interviewing with Josh uh, Schleinblum. I think that's how you pronounce his name. But anyway, we got a clip we're going to play. <clears throat> All right. Congressman, I'm sure you know the drill. So today, you're having your first town hall meeting since January. What are you expecting? 
Well, the discussion of the issues is like typical. I'm not expecting, I guess, anything one way or the other. We've held uh, teletown hall meetings uh, extensively over the last two years where we'll have 6,000 people on the line. And uh, so today we'll reach 600 people. Teletown halls will reach 6,000 people. Uh, so uh, it's going to be a typical town hall. There'll be lots of questions and uh, uh, lots of answers. So one thing that's a little less typical is you want to see IDs for this. Can I ask why that decision was made? Because we want people from the first district to be at our town halls. We don't want people from outside of the first district. We don't need people from Chicago there or Des Moines there or, or Minneapolis there. Um, I don't represent them. They should go talk to their representatives at their town hall meetings. I don't know why they would want to be at one of my town hall meetings to start with. Well, I think some would make the case that you represent all Iowans. The decisions that you make impact all Iowans. So shouldn't all Iowans have a voice at the table or at least have the option to? <laughs> I don't represent all Iowans. I represent my, the first district of Iowa. That'd be, that'd be like saying, uh, shouldn't I be able to, even though I live in Dubuque, go vote in Iowa City during the election because I'd like to vote in that district instead. Would you still take donations from a Republican in Iowa City? I mean, <laughs> I'm, 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 we haven't even, we just started. This is ridiculous. This is ridiculous. He's going to sit here and just, just all bash right, him. All right. just we, we, we just asked why you wanted to do the interview. That was, that was it. Congressman, you don't, come on. Take, take a seat. Congressman, I, I insist. Let's, let's talk about... Come on, Congressman. Let's, let's talk about the issues here. <laughs> okay. I didn't do anything wrong. Right, 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 right. Um... Uh, okay, uh, a couple things to say about this. For for starters, uh, the uh, reporter—that's not good reporting. This is that was a dig. That was a totally inappropriate question because it was trying to get a zinger in. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and Congressman Blum, I actually think it's a good idea to restrict town halls to people that live within your district and a couple reasons why i would say this for democrats i'd say this for republicans and obviously the media should be allowed in also so limiting your your town hall by residency i have no problem with now if he was saying only republicans can attend then then we'd have a problem because that's a partisan thing if you want to do that as part of your campaign that's fine but this is an official town hall and you're and you're representing all the all constituents, everybody in that lives that that lives in the first district, especially voters, are your constituents, um, and and they should be allowed to come. You know, petition. <laughs> That's part of petitioning our government for Absolutely. redress of grievances. Yeah. I mean, yep. and the First Amendment, you know, protects that. Uh, every every person has an opportunity to do that in their own congressional district. We have groups, and I have to admit, you know, conservatives did this as well after Obamacare. There were outside groups that would come in, and out people on the outside would come in and fill these town halls, and, and it would just become a circus. And unfortunately, when that happens, I think their constituents lose out. They lose their voice. They're not able to ask their questions because suddenly all the time's dominated by people from the outside coming in to make a spectacle of this and to, you know, protest or sure. whatnot. Yeah. Um, I, so, you know, 
Now, if they are a constituent and they're protesting, hey, you know, he he still had a negative town hall even without this. Now, as far as getting up and walking out of interview, you know, there were a lot of things he could have said in response to that. It's like questions like the, the these are why a majority of Americans don't trust the media. <laughs> That's what I would yeah. have said. Um, by the way, hey, I would welcome. Yeah, of course he can donate. Anybody can donate. And you know what? I list all those donations. I file them with the FEC, and it's purely above board. And you know what? That donor in Iowa City, he still can't come to my town hall because you don't pay for access. Right. Um, yeah, there, just, there were a number of ways he could just nipped it in the bud and moved on. Now, as far as uh, Josh Schleimblum's like, hey, let's talk about the issues. Maybe you should have done that from the very beginning instead yeah. of, you know, <laughs> asking these questions about, oh, so what? That he's limiting his town hall to people who live in his district. That that shouldn't be that unusual. And then then that sn- that snarky question at yeah. the end. So, yeah. Congressman Blum, unfortunately, he didn't help himself. He's just he that's. That's footage that can now end up in, in opposition ads as well as, uh, uh, you know, it, it, it just made him kind of look bad um, and never let, ne- never let the media look like, you know, play the martyr. Yeah. <laughs> you don't want to do that either. Yeah. Uh, so let's see. I think I got time for me. One more. How much time we got to run? Um, oh, we're running about maybe a little less than three minutes. Okay. All right. Sessions sweeping change. Uh, he's basically this is from the Washington Post. Attorney General Jeff Sessions overturned the sweeping criminal charging policy of former Attorney General Eric H. Holder and directed his federal prosecutors Thursday to charge defendants with the most serious provable crimes carrying the most severe penalties. Uh, the Holder memo issued in August 2013 instructed his prosecutors to avoid charging certain defendants with drug offenses that would trigger long mandatory minimum sentences. Defendants uh, who met a set of criteria such as not belonging to a large-scale drug trafficking organization, gang, or cartel qualified for lesser charges and in turn less prison time under Holder's policy. Uh, but Jeff Sessions undid all that. And, you know... <laughs> Well, I think ultimately Congress is going to have to to address this. In this particular case, I don't think what Attorney General Eric Holder did was bad because there's some latitude uh, in the law. They don't they don't necessarily have mandatory uh, sentence. Well, they do for, in certain circumstances, but I with our prison overcrowding. Um, do we really want to throw the book and throw away, you know, throw these folk, the nonviolent drug offenders in prison and throw away the key? I don't think so. Unfortunately, fortunately, uh, Congress is they're looking into sentencing, sentencing reform when it comes to charges like these, because I, I think we need to. Um, I mean, I'm not I'm not going to go full board libertarian. Oh, let's, you know, end the drug war and let's legalize everything. Um <laughs> But I think we we need to have some common sense and realize that, you know, the, first of all, the strike three law, uh, mandatory life sentence for, you know, uh, when you get three drug offenses, that's absolutely ridiculous if they're all nonviolent. Um, people who murder should be in prison for life. People who, um, you know, uh, kidnap perhaps. Uh, peop- uh, uh, but some of these folks are getting less time in prison than sex offenders and that really bothers me anyway hey this is caffeinated thoughts radio 
If you missed out on some of that, be sure to check the podcast, CaffeinatedThoughts.com. That's up sometime on Saturday, generally. Again, that's CaffeinatedThoughts.com. Check out the podcast. We'll be back in a moment. Put me on the cover of the Rolling Stone Uptown Down Home American Kids. That's unforgivable. Those were the words screamed by a teen angry at the actions of his dad. I'm Scott Owen with Crosswalk Ministries of Central Iowa, and it's time to pause for peace. The incident with the unforgiving teen took place almost 30 years ago and I felt myself unequipped to help him walk through forgiveness. Maybe you find yourself where I was back then as a young youth pastor, uncertain as to the practice and power of forgiveness. I knew it was important, but I was clueless as to the helpful steps toward encouraging forgiveness after a serious offense. Since that time, I have benefited from the clear teaching on forgiveness by Peacemaker Ministries. Their seven A's for a biblical apology and the four commitments of forgiveness are remarkable tools. If you're needing more information on forgiveness, why don't you visit our counseling center here in Ames or visit our website at crosswalkcounseling.org. That's crosswalkcounseling.org. Home stretch. Welcome back to Caffeinated Thoughts Radio. Hey, we appreciate all of you who listen. Please don't forget to check us out at CaffeinatedThoughts.com. Don't forget to like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, be our friend. We appreciate it. We need friends. Yes, And indeed. fans and followers. Hey, due to the incredible sheer volume of material we have available, because the leader of the free world loves Twitter, today we're once again ending the show with the top Trump tweet of the week, brought to you by Myers & Associates, serving the Midwest with industrial maintenance products and services. Call them at 515-795-3676. Myers & Associates, keeping your operations running. And without further ado, the trop, top, excuse me, top, top, top Trump tweet of the week. This is actually from Friday morning, 726 a.m. Eastern, Eastern Daylight Time. James Comey, better hope that there are no tapes of our conversations before he starts leaking to the press. <laughs> so, okay. that's yeah. um, it, <laughs> interesting. I, as far as I know, Comey hasn't leaked anything to the press. Um, so, this is a, kind of a warning shot fired over the bow. But the context for this is a New York Times story that says, in a private dinner, Trump demanded loyalty. Comey demurred. Only seven days after Don, uh, this is uh, from the story. Only seven days after Donald J. Trump was sworn in as president, James B. Comey has told associates the FBI director was summoned to the White House for a one-on-one dinner with the new commander in chief. The conversation that night in January, Mr. Comey now believes, was a harbinger of his downfall this week as head of the FBI, according to two people who've heard a, have heard his account of the dinner. As they ate, the president and Mr. Comey made small talk about the election and the crowd sizes at Mr. Trump's rallies. The president then turned the conversation to whether Mr. Comey would pledge his loyalty to him. Mr. Comey declined to make that pledge. Instead, Mr. Comey has recounted to others, he told Mr. Trump that he would always be honest with him and that he was not reliable in the conventional political sense, which... 
Okay. Uh, you know, and, and again, I wouldn't, I wouldn't expect the FBI director, but here's the thing. And this is something I've been seeing all week. Uh, and, and I've seen this in the Washington Post. We have, we have a story. I can't remember what the story was, but we have 30 sources all unnamed. <laughs> and some of these unnamed sources have been wrong in other stories. I mean, you know, they, sure. And again, this is a story based on what sources unnamed. <laughs> I, 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 I was one of those sources. Yeah, you know this. <laughs> I know the White House janitor. I know janitor at the FBI. Hey, Joe, let me take you out for a beer. Do you hear you know, Director Comey say anything when you're passing by his office? You know. <laughs> so, yeah, there's that one time when he was uh, running down a grocery list and going to pick up some uh, bread and some milk and some butter on his way home. But that's about it. <laughs> right. It's crazy. So. I, I'm so tired of of media <laughs> of stories that are blaze, based on flimsy, unnamed sources. Um, but so, like you know, at least okay, we have two, so now we have um, now we know it's true. Yeah. So we're going to report it. <laughs> crazy, crazy. Um, if if true, if true, it, it's it's disturbing that he would ask you know the FBI director to kiss his ring. Um, because the FBI director needs to be nonpartisan, uh, I believe, and, and I think it's important that mm-hmm. the, the next person that he selects, whoever that might he, he or she might be, uh, has some independence. Now, obviously, yes, they still serve at the pleasure of the president, and they're still under attorney general and deputy attorney general. They have to report to, um, but he, you know, the president should be letting the FBI do their work unhindered, unfettered, um, mm-hmm. not getting in the way, and not. You know, and I'm not demanding a loyalty. Uh, on, on the flip side, leaks need to stop. <laughs> That's been a problem, not just with this administration. It seems like it's a perpetual problem. Hey, this is Caffeinated Thoughts Radio. Thank you for listening. Again, check us out, caffeinatedthoughts.com. Have an awesome week. We'll see you next week. <laughs>